Thank you for joining me. Please do consider like and subscribe to this podcast if you do find it interesting. Today we are going to be talking about something similar or pretty much the same as what we were talking about before, which was what makes a good website. But we're going to be looking a little bit more at the designer kind of aspects of that. Uh, and if we've got time, then we may also have a couple of examples. So, yeah, let's get cracking and go straight into this. So, um, just to repeat myself, I normally do the please like and subscribe kind of to this section. Um, I don't know why I say like and subscribe because you, I think it's the follow button that you need uh, when it comes to these podcasts. But either way, please do show the love and appreciation. I'd love it even more if you came over and said hi to me on Twitter at Tea and Toast. Uh, nonetheless, I wanted to pick up where we left off uh, on the last one, which was that we kind of covered the basic structures Um for how to build a website and then it kind of dawned on me that actually we pause there and um, talk more about the design aspect of it so the main thing that kind of sticks out for from a design perspective on a website is if we look at design symmetry so symmetry just means like things are lined up equally and evenly sometimes what we see on some websites is that there's a floating box or the columns are wide and wide in a way where they're not following um, two column layouts in the traditional sense. So it kind of makes things look a bit off kilter, like a little bit wonky. So to have all of the columns lined up in a certain way, um, and usually modern kind of websites and CMSs, we don't really get these issues anymore. Um, But sometimes people still have that mistake because of the way that they might use it or sometimes images as well that that the image is sometimes I've seen ones where it's on a white background and the image has a white kind of cropped on the side and it's just been missed Uh, so it just looks a little bit off sometimes the distancing and the padding between objects can be off as well I think a really good example of um, symmetry um, would be something like the Tesla cars Roadster homepage of which it has one for itself. And when we have a look at the way the word Roadster is written, it roughly seems to be uh, the central kind of column, like it's been divided into three. And the word Roadster is very prominent, but the full width of the word Roadster is actually equal to um, the navigation bar and some of that content falls neatly together so it's really quite nice to see uh, the alignment and working at play and one of the other things to watch out for um, again this can be a human error um, is in deciding from your brand uh, what colors to choose and it might be okay in terms of brand but equally, when we have a look at it, what we see is people sometimes using colors that are not dyslexia friendly or on a basic level, no one can read stuff that is in a similar text. So burgundy text on a pale red background is just not right because they're both similar 
in the, their color wheel where they sit, they're essentially just brightened and darkened versions of each other. Picking um, opposing colors um, is actually quite useful. Uh, so having very stark or pastel or transparent, so high white um, kind of elements to colors helps to then have that in the background with um, black or gray, dark gray, charcoal kind of text. It's just something really simple, simple that does actually um, make a huge bit of difference. So, so far we've covered the alignment aspect and the contrast. Uh, and then one other thing that um, is kind of touched on is padding. Now, padding can be in relation to alignment. However, there are times where I do see um, boxes filled with text, but they run to the edge. So padding is very different. It, it is very literally um, padding so that there is room from the edge of a box to read. So padding is a technical term that's slightly different. And I don't know why some people get it wrong, because from my experience, loads of places like WordPress and Shopify tend to get it right. So there's not a massive need in some ways to do that. So that's kind of it in one sense. Um, I think what might also make a good website is also the site structure. Um, so if you've got a complex website or you're selling fashion things, you might have a lot going on. So having breadcrumbs, uh, breadcrumbs are the little icons uh, just above the banner on the left that kind of breaks down what section you're in. So you can go back to any section. Also just having a look at your navigation bar, making sure it's not too convoluted and it goes too deep. Having simplistic navigation is definitely the way forward. And things using things like call to actions. And in the previous podcast, we talked about call to actions in particular in relation to having that information in the top fold. So if that's something that's new that you're not aware of, then please do go back to that podcast. Um, but looking at uh, CTAs is important. Um, and that way we're able to kind of say, okay, we've done what we can with design and technical for websites. But equally now we're faced with one other issue of um, testing our website. So one way that you can test that your website works on mobile um, is to do uh, go to Google Search Console and then do a test through there. But through there, the actual section is called something like Page Insights. So you could just uh, Google Page Insights and it would take you to the site. And it's really nice because the dash just does a lovely job of laying bits out of what you need and what's important to you, but equally what's important there. So Google Search Console, the best way I could describe that is, as, as mentioned in previous podcasts, that it's a bit of a bat phone to Google. Uh, so key areas within that you want to look at are performance, URL inspection, web core, core web vitals, pardon me, and mobile issues or mobile usability. So those are the kind of really kind of important areas, I guess. Now, 
I'm going to leave you with a, a couple of examples, I guess, um, with good websites and bad websites. So I would definitely say that I have less of a love for Dropbox, but I remember when I did really, really like it. Um, and I don't really use it enough, but it's a great tool. And looking at their website, um, I would recommend that. Like they've got a really neat website. All of the things mentioned in this and the, the previous podcast about what makes a good or bad website, good web, bad web. Yeah, I mean, Dropbox have nailed it. They, they've got a good website. Uh, as have Slack, who have diagrams and illustrations that really do help understand what goes on um, with the title where work happens. Just really, really nice. Uh, and there are other uh, websites that are quite decent. Um, I would say that I'm not a fan of like having women's clothes. I don't buy them. <laughs> but the women's clothes kind of fashion-based websites are really good examples of when you spot a good website that it's really good because it has a very complex nature. So breaking that down just takes, you know, a, a little bit longer in some ways. Um, so that's kind of it, I think, for me. And it feels like I've covered quite a bit of um, what makes a good website and, and things to watch out for. And yeah, it's, it was just a real joy and super easy to talk about. Um, I just wanna see if there's anything that I've missed off on my slides so that I know that you lot have got everything that you need. So a couple of things that I did miss off from the slides were um, little ideas, nuggets of information that I thought were useful. Um, having had WordPress, I noticed that there's a thing on there called Cornerstones. And essentially it's allowing you to pick and tick the box so that you have that page or whatever as a cornerstone. Other sites don't necessarily have that and they just work under navigation. But I would really love for there to for people to understand what cornerstones are, because what they will do is infinitely change you. So they've got some real key. The cornerstones essentially are the way you describe key bits of um, blog posts or whatever it is that is really the most valuable. So cornerstones and identifying them on your website is really important. And that can be very similar to doing um, a keyword analysis. Some of the other things that are really important are links on websites, goes without saying, but is equally somehow very tricky. And I just don't get why. But there are uh, a number of small businesses that just don't necessarily get um, how to use links. And I think it's just not to blame them, but they've not been shown. So using links in the right way does take time as well. And you'll get an epiphany one day and it'll just happen. Um, another thing that's really cool is ideas um, on images. And I guess for you to keep a bank of images um, means you've got a lot more to play with on hand, um, especially in relation to your brand. 
And one final thing that makes a really good website, not just good, but ace, um, is in particular, if you've got something like what I've got with WordPress, um, you might want to use um, a minify tool if your website is causing the code to um, bump out your size of, of your file. Um, and the reason why you, the site might be slow may not just be image, it usually is the image of the video. But another thing that it could be is using code language and by adding plugins and things, what tends to happen is they have to use their own. But there isn't, a lot of people don't really create their own. There's just a massive overlap on um, what they use and how they use it. So, yeah, they've got to sort of stay up and get the job done, I suppose. So that's it for me. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, take care. I, I look forward to seeing you either at the next workshop or at the next podcast. Uh, until next time, see you soon.